Welcome to the Low Rates High Returns podcast where we'll uncover the timeless investment principles so you can escape the rat race, earn passive income and create lasting wealth. I'm Pete Wargent, investor and financial coach and I'm joined by Stephen Moriarty, private investor and the co-author of our new book, Low Rates High Returns. In each episode of this podcast, we talk about the crucial concepts around managing your own money, how to invest, when to invest and the key lessons we've learned along the way about generating passive income. The things we discuss in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice, and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone. I'm here with Stephen Moriarty today, as always. Hi, Steve. Hi. I'm Pete Wargent. So today we're going to talk about individual decision-making. So as a a somewhat sort of weak-willed individual when I was younger, I can empathise a lot (laughs) with this concept of being influenced by those around us. So just to put one random example, as a long-suffering Sydney Roosters fan, I used to go down in the wooden spoon year every Sunday afternoon with a good friend of mine, Robbie Wilson. G'day, Robbie, if you're tuning in. A big personality in eastern suburbs, cricket and football and pretty much everything else. And we used to meet up down at the Cleveland Hotel before we went to the football stadium. And I used to say, (laughs) well, it it always started the same. It was like, well, uh, Robbie, it's a big day at work tomorrow. I'm just going to have a couple of light beers. And then, of course, we'd get to the ground, it would be freezing. So we'd slink off to the bar. And then he'd be like, come on, we've got to have a big one tonight. No, 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 just a couple of quiet ones. And every single time, he'd just wear me down and we'd end up, back in the cock and bull in Bondi where he knew the barman Scotty and uh, and <laughs> every time by 8, 9pm absolutely steaming and then of course a miserable Monday in the office and probably a tearful Tuesday as well. The, the interesting thing is that I can, I'm not a boozer these days I should say, but I could perfectly happily go to the cricket on my own and just have a coffee or I could go to the AFL yeah, yeah, and watch yeah, the yeah. swans but then of course you get, you get into these <laughs> peer pressure situations and I had terribly weak willpower and uh, it would always end up pretty much the same way. So I think the theories of human behaviour. <laughs> you want to are... tell me my earring story? <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, to... <laughs> we'll come on to that. Uh, so I guess um, the key point being that uh, a lot of these theories of human behaviour are uh, based around this idea that we're individual, yep. rational decision-making. Yeah people, but actually in, in reality, we're very much influenced by the circle. Absolutely. The, um, and that's what the efficient market hypothesis is based on. You know, like you're, you're completely rational. Everybody's got the same information and knowledge and nobody influences anybody, which, you know, I mean, if you think about it, they are probably three of the worst assumptions that you could ever have about any society. There's lots of theories and stuff coming out now about how the brain works, but also about how we influence, you know, social networking and, you know, everyone's on Facebook because everyone's on Facebook and that sort of stuff. And I, I seldom met people who actually like Facebook, but the funny thing is everybody's on it, yeah. um, but everybody hates it, but everybody uses it type thing. I think there is this thing, isn't there, that we all like to think that we're individuals and yeah, we're all yeah. kind of unique and different, but... We're probably much more alike than we like to admit sometimes. I think it's a bit of a mythology. You know, like I think it was jeans that started off that, you know, be an individual, you know, wear jeans. And it was a sign of individualism and all that sort of stuff, you know. And, you know, everybody's wearing jeans um, as an individual, which, you know, again, it's sort of a bit like, well, that's a bit illogical, isn't it? Mm. 
it fits with the capitalist idea, you know, the hero, the individual, you know, all those stories revolve around that rather than saying it was a, you know, it was a team effort or, yeah, I picked that stock because, you know, I read Warren Buffett and then he influenced me and I bought it and it became a big winner and stuff. It's just who you get influenced by is important. And a lot of it is based around now because the information network is so huge that you can be influenced by, you know, like those ads on Facebook and on the net and that sort of stuff. So whereas in the old days, it was like, oh, well, you know, mum and dad bought a property, so I'll buy a property and that will be my life. Now you can be influenced by, you know, stock pickers, uh, fund managers, you know, and so there's a whole raft of information out there that can influence you. And the, the thing you want to do is actually say, well, what's actually good information and bad information. Yeah, so you, you need to disseminate more carefully because yeah, I, I, yeah. suppose, I suppose these days if you if you want to take a position, then you will almost inevitably be able to find some kind of evidence to support your view. So, yeah. so I think as, as I alluded to at the beginning there, there's really two different ways to make a decision. So there's me going to the cricket and having a cup of coffee on my own and then there's me being dragged along, kicking and screaming yeah. to the bar at the football so there's the individual decision making and then there's the decision that's influenced by others and i think the um, think sort of stuff i think you touched on in series 1 when when the 1987 crash happened and Schiller did some research oh, yeah, into yeah. you know well why why did the market crash and it well <laughs> when you actually looked at the evidence well why were people selling pretty much because everyone else was selling there was no fundamental yeah, reason, reason sure, the, why. the market had been red hot for sure but it wouldn't it wouldn't explain a 20% move in yep, such a short in period one day. of time and that was what we were talking about in the previous episode, you know, about making a narrative. So what they did afterwards, like the GFC, they sit down and they get all these people in. They go, you know, why did the why did the property market crash in 07, you know, and 08? And, well, it was because of mortgage-backed securities. And, well, it was also derivatives and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Story in reverse. But, again, a lot of that was known beforehand anyway. And it's not as if... You can't see a lot of that coming, but what you don't want to do is you tend to look at that, as you say, on your own and you go, geez, you know, that doesn't look very good. But then you get so-called experts around you saying, oh, no, you know, you've got to factor in this and you've got to factor in that. Yeah. And you walk away going, you start doubting right, okay, so everything's fantastic, right, yeah. buy stocks. Yeah, oh, look, it's, it's been happening uh, in 2020. You know, there's all of these reasons being put out for, for to explain retrospectively to explain yes. what's happened to the market. Yeah, so, everyone picked the bottom low on March the 23rd. So if, if we want to improve our individual decision-making, um, we talked in... Series one, I think it was episode five, potentially on the Enneagram and the personality type. Yeah, yeah. So when I was back in the corporate world, uh, perish the thought, uh, there, there was this thing called the Myers Briggs test. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a while since I did it, but from memory, all of the questions, like ninety percent of the questions, were basically leading you towards this uh, concept: Are you an introvert or are you an, an extrovert? extrovert? Yeah. So. Like and it'd Touching, be like, <laughs> feeling, rational, irrational. Or oh, you remember like better than I do. Uh, so there would be questions like, oh, you, well, you go to a party and do you head into the kitchen and do the washing up or do you, are you the life and soul of the party? But, you know, as I worked through these questions, I was like, well, you know, 
Yeah, like back in the day, for example, there was this girl that I was infatuated with, and if she was at a party, That's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut this bit out. <laughs> but I, I would, I would head, right, I would go to the other side of town, or probably the end of the earth, if she was there. On other days, I might have had four, four or five crown lagers before I turned up at a party, and I'd be the life and soul. But you know, other days I turn up. Well, I don't really want to speak to anyone. This yeah, is a yeah. boring party, and it, a lot of the questions were like, well, they needed more context, and it. I, I guess it led to this sort of um, answer of, well, you're a mildly introverted personality type, but I didn't get a whole lot of use out of it. The Myers-Briggs is, you know, cut bullshit um, because, and, and again, this is what happens a lot in the in the markets. You know, they do these, you know, studies and stuff, but there's one study and then it gets a roll on, you know. So the efficient market hypothesis is like that. You know, it's one of two theories. It's sort of like beta versus VHS, you know. Beta was a better system, but VHS won the day. Um, Microsoft versus Apple, you know, that sort of stuff. But what you've got to look at is with the Enneagram is the, the nine types is you've got to look at your own framework about how you make decisions, but also about what influences you in those decisions. You know, Buffett has this famous saying, they asked him and said, oh, you know, who influences you? And he said, oh, well, I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and at that stage, everybody's had their say, which means nobody influences him. You know, hence the reason why he reads five and six hours a day and makes his own mind up. Now, most of us don't have that luxury, but what you can do is understanding yourself to say, this is why I, you know, get tetchy when the market goes sideways. And you've got to realise those influences, a lot of them are driven, like we talked in the last episode, about media priming you and stuff. But like you say, you know, when you're by yourself, you'll have a cup of coffee. But if you're with a mob of mates, you'll have a, a wine or a beer or, you know, something. All of the above. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mainly not at the same time. But, um, but, you know, that's what happens. Humans are social creatures. And that's the whole point, you know, that you influence each other. Otherwise, it's a pretty lonely existence to always be a contrarian. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't even going to use this story, but I might have to now on the idea the of... The earring it, story? <laughs> <laughs> of influence. But so I can't say too much because when I lived in Bondi, uh, like a lot of Poms, uh, when I left the corporate world to go and do my own thing, the big thing at the time was tattoos. So I remember going down to the Royal Hotel, alas no longer with us, a couple of schooners, across the road to the tattoo parlour. the Dutch. And it, I remember you had to sign this disclaimer saying you haven't, you haven't touched alcohol in the past uh, 48 hours. I was thinking, what? They really complied with that, didn't 48 they? 48 minutes. <laughs> you got a lot of money? Yeah, you're a yeah. sophisticated investor. Sign up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I look back on it. I mean, it, it was it was the thing at the time. It, people, to try and be different, they would have a tattoo. The only thing that annoys me looking back, it does, I don't regret it, except when the kids ask about it. <laughs> I had a lizard on my bicep, by the way, um, is that... Um, you know, these days everybody's got it because that's that was the influence fad, and I'm sure your yeah, earrings yeah, yeah. Uh, debacle was probably driven by similar influences. Yep, absolutely. When I went to when I went to primary school, I was a really good kid. You know, as in very you know, um, followed, did what I was told, and that sort of stuff. When I went to high school, I really hated it because you couldn't play sport. Anyway, you know, second day I got caught smoking when I was 13 and asthmatic, and then within three months I'd actually got an earring. Right? Because I'd fallen in with a crew who, you know, weren't at the top of the class. And so what you do is you tend to mimic each other, particularly in those teenage years. 
And you know those stories, Pete, where if you're by yourself, you're not that much of a troublemaker. But if you get a group of teenage boys together, you have one that's a troublemaker and the rest sort of tend to just follow. Yeah, completely. Well, every game of cricket you ever play, if a yeah. group of guys drives past, they'll shout, how's that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Nobody ever does it on their own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's a, um, there was a study by this guy called uh, Granavetta. I think, um, but might have to Google that one as well. One for the show notes. Yeah, and what um, what he found was we've all got this tolerance level and they started plotting things like clapping, you know, at a concert. And what they found was there'd be a few people who'd clap, then more people would clap, then it'd get the crescendo and then it'd die off. What this guy said was everyone has a tolerance level and the one I always use is, you know, you're standing at a set of lights, there's, you know, five, ten people, right? You're waiting for the walk sign. There's no traffic coming. For as far as the eye can see, you could, you know, you could crawl across the crossing and you wouldn't get hit by anything. Everybody's standing there until one person goes, you know what, I'm walking, right? And when they walk, suddenly everybody else is like, okay, well, if he's walked, I'm walking. It's a bit like young guys at the disco. <laughs> you know, if someone else dances first, then I'll get up and dance. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I think... Um, so one of the things we've previously talked about is the Enneagram assessment. So you've got a, an objective view of yourself. Yeah, so yeah. send us an email if you want to take the free test because it, it's much better than the Myers-Briggs test. But also what we can do is give people a, a personality investment map yeah, that investment is map, yeah. specific to your personality type. Yep. Uh, so if we are mimetic as people um, and we're, I mean, clearly both of us have had instances of being heavily influenced by uh, fads and people around us. Yep. So the first thing to do is have that objective view of yourself. But talk to us a bit about the brain and how that creates emotion. So Feldman Barrett has done some more up-to-date yeah, yeah. work on this. She's got a, a really, uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, and she's got a really great book of couple, about a couple of years ago. There's been, just one step back, there's been a real sort of explosion in understanding neurology and the brain and how the brain works and what it's responsible for and all the different areas. And what, um, again, she displaced, uh, her book is called How Emotions Are Made. What they discovered was that basically you make emotions as you grow. I'm not doing the book a service, but essentially what she was saying was that you got influenced by a lot of the time the way you grew up and, and the way you developed meaning. And so the important part of the book for me was that once you understood how emotions worked, a lot of it was based on the brain and what we were talking about last time was prediction, right? And so I say to people, what you would do is you would categorise things, right? So I'm, I'm going to the gym, okay. And so your brain is then going, all right, we're going to the gym, right, I'll put my gym clothes on. You open the gym door and from previous experience, you go, okay, yeah, there's people over there running, there's the weights benches and there's Bob at the counter, right? So every day you open it, there's no surprise. Why? Because your brain has stored that as a memory. The interesting part comes if, and this is where you always get caught by a surprise, right? Because it's an emotional response. So I say to people, if you open the door and there was a tiger, right, you'd go, holy Jesus, you know, and there'd be an emotional response. Why? Because your brain wasn't predicting a tiger at the gym. And so what happens is the emotions are, in a lot of cases, in investing, are generated by the surprise. What's the surprise? Oh, the surprise that the stock market's declining quickly or something. 
you can't really predict that stuff, you know, with a great degree of accuracy other than, and hence why we use things like the CAPE ratio, which sort of says, well, look, I don't know when the stock market's going to fall, but human nature has been the same as it has been for thousands of years. Every time the market hits a CAPE of, you know, 28, there starts to be trouble. I don't know what it's going to be. And, you know, this year it's the COVID crisis, but there's always something that comes along. That's what history shows. And if you look at that, that's not a prediction. What it is is simply saying, here's the stats, but to tie it to your point, it's an unemotional look. It's an objective view going, look, there's the stats, but people want to say, yeah, but what's going to make the market crash, Steve? It's like, I don't know what's going to make it crash. If I knew that, I'd sell out the day beforehand you know, and I'd avoid all the crashes. Yeah, it's always interesting when you look back in hindsight and you look at uh, previous uh, booms and crashes and you think, well, I wouldn't have been so stupid to get yeah. in the market at that point. <laughs> and, but the statistics tell you otherwise. Um, so in Australia, the use of margin loans went into this enormous yeah, yeah. crescendo up until the peak of the market and then it just was obliterated. Um, and we get... Um, probably the peak of every cycle, this narrative economics. So yeah. you got, um, there's going to be robots or AI or yeah, self-driving yeah. cars yeah. or the nifty 50. Drone pizza. Dot com. <laughs> yeah, there, there's always new stories and it's difficult not to be caught up in that because we are influenced. Um, so what we're saying is you need to not practice that system one type thinking that Kahneman talks yeah, about. Yeah. So oh, maybe all this is actually true and you know, tech is going to take over and continue booming forever and you need to practice more system two type thinking, which in this context means go back to base rates, go back to the CAPE ratio. Yep. It uh, doesn't matter, you know, if the market's up or down in any given week or month. That's Look at the numbers, mm. right? I mean, after 20 years as an investor, I always give the numbers preference because I know my own story is probably bullshit, you know, and the reason why is because I've come across a stock. Oh, you know, how did you come across it? Oh, it was on, you know, CNBC or something. And then you take a look at it. You do two hours or three or four or five of research. You're convincing yourself that this is a really good stock. What you should do is go, okay, now I'm going to go and read why it's a really bad stock. And that's the important part because what you want to do in emotion, in investing is be as unemotional as possible, like you say, using system two. The funny thing is it feels awkward, right? But the word is feels, right? The word is not it is awkward. It feels awkward because it's going against our inbuilt nature of making predictions, being emotional, you know, trying to predict the future, all of that stuff. So there's a great deal of uncertainty there. But again, if you go back to the base case and you look at long-term averages, you look at buying cheap stocks, you know, that sort of stuff, it works. You know, that's the point. But you can never see it a lot of the time at the time. No, so I mean, at the moment, so we try to make these podcasts that they're timeless. But one of the themes of recent times has been how value investing in inverted commas is underperforming yeah, in yeah. many cases. So as you said, I mean, we've, it's, not a, it's not a new idea. This has happened in previous cycles, the death of value and so on. Um, but it's obviously when you're going through things in real time, much more difficult to see these things because you're influenced by what's happening yeah, yeah. at the time. We know that we have short memories. We're influenced by fear and greed and people can easily get 
drawn away from the idea of the simple idea of just buying markets when they're cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's a, it's the cyclical nature that we don't really learn from, and that's why looking the last probably two or three years is exactly like it's been in other market cycles, particularly resonating this time with the dot com. You know, because in in two thousand and the late nineties, it was it was all about you know, the world was going to be completely revolutionised, you know, nobody was going to shop again, we we're all going to be online, you know, there was, you know, bloody pets.com and this.com and that.com and we've got the same thing going on, you know, we're all, talk- you know, drone delivered pizza. I mean, I don't want to be rude, <laughs> but how much bullshit would there be with a drone delivered pizza? I, I mean, said there's a lot of what stuff. What happens in wind? You know, <laughs> most of the pizzas turn up now stuck to the bloody top anyway. You know, imagine a drone dropping the pizza. I mean, you know, like you just think and go, what, are you serious? I mean, how would a, how would a pizza go down the street with a robot that you could just steal a pizza off? You know what I mean? Like you'd think through logically and you sort of go, there's probably a bit of work to be done there before we, you know, get drone delivered anything. Yeah, I think it's um, because, because uh, during the COVID-19 crisis, there, there's a lot of talk about, oh, well, everything's changed forever. Yeah, yeah. But I suspect that, uh, particularly as a, a suffering homeschooler, I mean, I can't wait to get the kids back to childcare <laughs> or back to school. Uh, but humans are pack animals and we'll probably... Things will probably go back to a much more similar way of life than we currently think in yeah, terms yeah. of, you know, people are itching to get back and spend and shop and go on holidays. And just socialise. As soon as they can. Yep. You know, so that's in our nature. I grew up in uh, Sheffield and because there was a famous um, football disaster there at the Hillsborough Stadium, oh, there, yeah, there was yeah. a lot of studies being undertaken into football crowds. And it's, it's, it's actually amazing when you look at the way people behave and it's the, just the remarkable simil- similarities, really, at certain certain times and certain points. People yeah. and we're all influenced by one another. And um, yeah, I think uh, the sort of social physics stuff. Yeah, and at, at the time of speaking in in the in the stock market, the US uh, is heading into a recession, which a lot of people said, "Oh, it's not going to happen." We've ironed out the business cycle, and yet here we are. We're talking about thirty percent unemployment in twenty twenty, potentially. Uh, 30% shrinking of GDP in Q2. And I mean, we try to not make these podcasts always current, but that's that's what's happening. It's the yeah. cycle repeating. Recessions keep on uh, coming around and the, the downturns will follow in in stocks. If you read about history, if you read, I'm, I'm much more future oriented. I like thinking about the future. And I found for the first 25 years, I I wasn't really interested in history at all because I didn't actually see that as being of any relevance. If you read financial uh, stock market history, you read, you know, about the tulip bubble and, you know, other bubbles and that sort of stuff. You read about all the market cycles. You read about technology being the theme, you know, and Schiller deals with it really well in Irrational Exuberance and more recently in his uh, book, Narrative Economics. But what you get to understand is, the people who get caught are the people who don't understand history. And they're the people who go, oh, I've never knew about market cycles. And as I, as we do in our program, when I talk to people about market cycles, they sort of go, oh, right. So that's a good time to invest. And that's a really bad time to invest. And it's like, yep, it's not much more difficult than that. And it isn't. But you've got to know history to go, oh, and every time it does that, it does this. Yep. Oh, because normally what you do if you don't know that stuff, you can't consider it. 
you know, and it's a really, I remember when I first started reading about the nine types, I was absolutely gobsmacked going, oh my God, that's me to a T, you know, and then once I learned that and learned that, well, there were other people just like me and other people who were different from me, once you took all of that into account, you get a much more objective sort of view because you think, well, that's the way Pete thinks because he's not the same personality type. And so it has a different meaning to him. And so that's where you've got to make history as part of building your knowledge base to go, look, I don't know where the market's going to go, but according to history, X, Y, Z happens. It's probably prudent for me, since I've made 250%, to be a bit more prudent. Yeah, a few good reads there, actually. Devil take the hindmost, yeah, which... Yeah. Uh, as you just touched on there, it's the people that come in late in the cycle, the general public, they're the ones who get burned. Yep. Um, and it's always the new ones who are investing. Yeah. You know, it's not the, there's the old traders, bold traders, but there's no old bold traders. Yeah, easy for you to say. Uh, and um, Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, crowds is another yep. great read. But I think as well, Howard Marks mastering the market cycle is pretty interesting mm. to observe in 2019 when Howard Marks was going on CNBC and he's releasing his book saying, look, we're in the eighth inning of the stock market cycle. I can't tell you when, but this thing's going to tip over. Yep. And of course, people are boring, you know, like yeah. no, no interest. Um, but all he's saying is, look, all of the signs have been there. Just what we've seen in every other cycle, people yep. not disregarding valuations, uh, disregarding pretty much everything, yep. the economy. New, thing, new era, <laughs> yeah. you know, as Schiller says, you know, it's all AI and it's the same thing, robots, we're all going to be unemployed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Never happens. Yeah, tech heroes yep. and all the rest of it. So uh, we'll wrap up there today where we've talked about um, how we're so heavily influenced. Next time around, we're going to talk a little bit about groupthink and social physics. But um, thanks for joining today and look forward to seeing you next time. Cheers. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to know more, you can download a free chapter and extra bonuses from our new book, Low Rates, High Returns. Just visit www.lowrateshighreturns.com forward slash book to download your free copy. The things we've discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Stephen and I are both on LinkedIn and Twitter so do reach out and connect with us. And finally, it'd be great if you could subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps others to find the show. Now take care and invest wisely. Cheers. Cheers.